looking forward to seeing you, uh, seeing you sometime in the future when, when, uh, uh, that, when, that is, uh, when you're able to do that. So uh, we'll, we'll be glad to see you. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 10, uh, Luke chapter 10. And uh, I want to continue on in this love series that, that we've been in, and I'm going to try to get used, it's going to be easy because there's several of you here today, but I'm going to try to get used to looking at all of you. Uh, I've been staring into a camera for 10 weeks, so I'm retraining, uh, retraining myself with an audience here. But um, we've been in this series uh, called Summer of Love, and I want to start out uh, our time this morning uh, with a question of what is it that love looks like? When you think about a picture or an image of love, what is it that love looks like? Maybe for you, you think about uh, the last wedding that you went to, and uh, the couple was there, and they were clearly in love, and it was an incredible celebration, and maybe even uh, at the reception later, they had the steak chicken option, which is just awesome, right? By the way, if uh, you ever get the steak chicken option and you choose chicken, I'm praying for you. Um, just know that I'm praying for you, but, but you, you just remember that wedding, and it was just a picture of love uh, for you. Uh, maybe for you, the, the thing that you think about when you think about love is a couple who uh, maybe recently celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, and you think about that 50 years and all the stuff that they've been through and all the stuff that they've endured and how they've been through it together, right? And, and they've, they've uh, uh, charted through their love together and their faithfulness to each other, and maybe for you, that's just inspiring. Maybe for you, you think about a mother with their child, uh, and uh, the way that that mother cares for that child and just emotes this love. What is it that love looks like to you? Uh, this is what Jesus is going to do uh, in, in this text, is Jesus knows that love, uh, we often think about love in terms of an image of love or a picture of love. So what Jesus is going to do is he's going to tell us a story uh, to try to teach us and show us what love is and what love is all about. So here it is in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law uh, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I love this guy. He comes and he asks Jesus a legitimately good question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And great question. And so Jesus asks him what he thinks. Because this was a man who would have been an expert in the law, a man who clearly knew a lot about the Old Testament law. And Jesus says, what, what it, how, how do you, when you've studied the scriptures, what do you think the scriptures say? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. We studied this last week. That text should sound familiar. And love your neighbor like you love yourself. And he nails it, right? The, he, he nails the answer to the question. This is exactly what faith is all about. If you want to kind of, if you're watching today or, or you're here and you want to know what is it that the Christian faith is all about, it is about loving God and loving others, not easy to do, but certainly simple to understand. Loving God and loving others. And we call these the two greatest commandments. But if you were living in Jesus's day, what they believed and what I taught last week was that these commands were so intertwined with each other and so closely connected to each other that they used to say, really, in all of the law, really, there's this one commandment, the commandment to love. There's really only one commandment in all the Bible, the commandment to love. Love God and love others. Here's how John says it in 1 John. We love because he first loved us. Right? We love each other because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. The entire faith is about love. It is about loving God. The idea that God has shown us grace he has shown us mercy. He has shown us forgiveness. And, and coming out of that, we love God for who he is and what he has done. That, that's the first thing that happens when you experience God and you experience his love. The first thing that happens is you love him in return. The second thing that happens is we love the way he has loved us. So think about that just for a minute. Think about forgiveness. When you have experienced the forgiveness of your Savior, Right? The first thing that happens is that, man, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving my sin. I love you so much. But the very second thing that flows out of that is we show forgiveness to other people. Think about being exposed to his sacrifice. Right? When you study the cross and you see the sacrifice of the Savior, the very first thing that you think is, man, God, thank you so much for your son Jesus. Thank you so much for his sacrifice. And the thing that immediately flows out of that is how can I sacrifice for others? Think about his grace. The first time you experienced his grace, if you can remember that. The first time you learned about grace. It's like, man, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. And, then the, and you love God for that grace. But the thing that immediately flows out of that is, how can I be a graceful person to the people around me? The whole Christian faith, it is built on love. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Let's get back to the story. So this guy, he's mugged on the side of the road, he's bleeding, he's hurting, he needs help. And the first two characters in Jesus' story that walk by, unfortunately, are religious guys, right? Unfortunately for all of us that, that are here today, they're religious guys. It is a priest and a Levite, and immediately everyone listening to this story would have kind of oohed and odd as Jesus introduced these characters to the story because here's what they would have thought. These are gonna be the heroes of the story. Priest and Levite, they're going to be the hero of the story. They were the heroes of everybody's story. They were the highly respected teachers of the day. As a matter of fact, many scholars believe that one of the reasons that these guys may have crossed to the other side of the street and gone on their way is that they may have very well been on their way to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple. They were very religious. They were the heroes of the story, not in this story. In this story, they passed by the other side. And we don't know why, we don't know why, but they, they, were, they were on their way someplace. They hurry to the other side and, and they, they walk on their way. And I think we have to be honest that sometimes it's easier just to look the other way, isn't it? 
Sometimes it's easier to just look the other way. I think for a long time we've had this tendency to kind of bury our head into the sand and not pay attention. And some issues like economic issues or racial issues or even generational issues in our country, sometimes it's so painful to look at that. We've had this experience recently with George Floyd. It is so painful to look at that, that our tendency is to look the other way. But here's the truth, love looks, love sees, love pays attention. So the temptation is to turn and look away, but love stays focused and love sees and love looks. But it's not just about that truth, because here's the other thing in our culture is that because of social media and 24-hour news cycles, we get an opportunity to see a lot, right? We, we see a ton of stuff. We, every time a news story, hit, news story hits, we get an opportunity to see. We get an opportunity to pay attention. And I think you can make a strong argument that all that seeing and all that paying attention has not resulted in a more loving culture, right? It, it has not resulted in grace. So it's not just about looking and it's not just about seeing because we see and we look all the time, but it hasn't resulted in more love. Why? I think Jesus would say in this story that it's because this is not just a looking problem. This is a spiritual problem. Let me tell you sometimes uh, what drives me nuts about some Good Samaritan sermons that I've preached and that I've heard, right? I'll correct myself here just for a minute, right? Is that um, a lot of times a Good Samaritan sermon goes like this, is look at that guy laying on the side of the road, naked, bleeding, half dead. How can you not feel bad for that guy? Feel bad for that guy and get up and try to help him. And then we'll, us preacher types, will draw some comparison to like, who are the naked, bleeding, half dead people in your life? You really should help them. Be a good person, help them out. And, and that just kind of, misses the point, I think, of what Jesus is trying to teach us and the point of the rest of the Bible. Here's what's true, is when I understand the love of God and I understand what he's done for me, then it is easier, not easy, but it is easier to look and see and respond with love to the people around me. So when you reverse that truth, that's just true. When you reverse that truth, if I'm having a hard time looking, seeing, and responding to the people around me, it may very well be a spiritual issue. It may be a misunderstanding of of God or, or a condition of my heart. And that, my friends, is what makes this parable so offensive to these religious guys is because they would have uh, said, they would have appeared to the people around them that, man, those two guys in this story, they know God. They love, they love God, but Jesus would say, by your actions, you may not know God as well as you think you know God. Let me, here, here's just one example of it. Like, if you don't know about God, and you don't know about Jesus, that he rescues people that find themselves in the ditch, that our God is a God of the rescue. He sees people in the ditch, he responds to people in the ditch, and he shows them great love, that he is a God of incredible mercy. In this story, it's like, man, Levite and priest, if you don't understand that about your God, you don't really understand God. These two ideas of loving God and loving, they are so closely connected that to know God to to understand God, to see his mercy, is to respond to others with mercy. It it is one thing to celebrate his love for, for you, and we should do that. It's one thing to celebrate his love for you. It is another thing to demonstrate that love to others. 
And we are called to do both. We are called to see it and celebrate it. Man, look at how God has loved me. But we are also called to demonstrate that love to other people. And there was a breakdown for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't understand about God's mercy, his grace, his love, whatever it was. There was a disconnect with this Levite and this priest that they didn't respond in that way. So you got these two religious guys, they don't get it at all, and then you've got the Samaritan. So let me tell you about the Samaritans. In Jewish culture, the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they, they did not get along very well uh, at, at all. As a matter of fact, there was a Jewish prayer in the first century that would say, God, thank you that you have not made me a Samaritan. That the, the Jewish folks used to pray that daily almost. God, thank you that you have not made me Samaritans. Samaritans were pretty much hated and despised because they were viewed as not being fully Jewish. They were the ancestors of children that were born in captivity in the Old Testament. So that's kind of how they got, um, how they got this reputation. In captivity, um, some Jewish folks married and had children, and uh, the Samaritans were, were part of that line that got established. And the Samaritan, in a Jewish story, the Samaritans would not have been the hero in anybody's story, but the Samaritan's the hero in this story. He knew and understood God's love and what he had done, and here's how you can tell he knew and understood God's love is the way he responds to his neighbor. This is the point of Jesus, that he understood mercy, he understood love, he understood grace, he celebrated it, and then he responds to his neighbor. And let me tell you uh, some of the actions that he takes. How can we tell that this Samaritan fully understood God's grace, mercy, and love? It's because he loved his neighbor. How did he, in what ways did he love his neighbor? Well, he was willing to cross racial and ethnic lines, first of all. He was willing to cross racial and ethnic lines. The guy in the ditch most likely was Jewish. I mentioned before there was a lot of history between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. They just didn't care for each other. They, they practiced uh, open hostility toward each other. And the, the Samaritan understood, and I hope that we understand, that our God is a God who came for all. all right, this is an attribute of God, that he came for all. And when we understand that about our God, we celebrate it because all means me and you. He came for me. He came for you. We celebrate it, but then we demonstrate it. We celebrate it first, but very closely after celebrating it, we demonstrate it. And we become a people that understand that God came for all. Jesus came for all. And so racial Ethnic issues that divide us, they just come tumbling down. Let me say it a little more clearly. There's no room for racism at the foot of the cross. The cross doesn't allow for it. Here's how Paul said it in Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. I told you the story before, but I remember uh, we moved to Decatur 14 years ago yesterday. Um, the way we always remember it is uh, one of our friends has a birthday on that day, and uh, she, we got the call that she'd been born about halfway to Decatur. So uh, that our, uh, um, our friend's daughter had been born. And so we always just remember the day that, that we moved to Decatur. And I remember when we first moved to Decatur, um, I think it's still there, but there was a sign kind of at the entrance of the town that said racism with a big kind of X through it, you know, a big red kind of X through it. And when we arrived into the town, my first reaction to that was, that is a great goal. That I am glad I am moving to a town that has a desire to do away with racism. 
I think that's a really positive thing. My second reaction was that sign's there for a reason, right? That, that sign is there for a reason. And having lived here for 14 years, I don't think our culture, our immediate culture um, indicator is overtly racist, but there, you would have to acknowledge there is a silent tension in our city sometimes between uh, the, the, the races, right? And we, as people that understand God and that he's a God of love and mercy and grace and he came for all people, we are called to be different because he did come for all people and that drives out racism from our hearts and our minds. This understanding that he came for everyone. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone is loved by him. Everyone, he died for everyone. And so when we understand that, we celebrate it, but we also demonstrate it. And it drives out racism from the church. Now it also drives out any political motive that might seek to divide people. Right? Politics by its nature kind of divides people in, into races and economic structures and generational structures. And our world is seeing that big time right now. The political solutions that are often presented are just dividing us. And when we understand who God is, that he loves all and he came for all, we also do away with that political gain of we're not gonna be divided into race and gender and culture. We're not gonna be divided. Instead, we're gonna love all and we're gonna come together and we are going to love one another fiercely. Why? Because we serve a savior who loves us fiercely and we celebrate it and we demonstrate it. All right, so he crosses these kind of racial ethnic lines. The other way you can tell that he really gets this is he takes action. He got off his... Um, he got off his donkey and he did something. Aren't you glad I didn't get that from the King James? Right? Um, he got off his donkey and he did something. All right? He took action. When it would have been easy uh, to look at the guy laying in the ditch and said, man, now why? That guy needs some help. That really looks terrible. He didn't just see the pain. He didn't just see it and go on his way. He sees it. He gets off his donkey and he bandages the wounds. He takes him to the doctor. He sacrificed for this guy. Right? I'm reminded of two guys that were walking past someone who had been beaten, robbed, and was laying in the street. And the, uh, one guy said to the other guy, man, the person that did that really needs some help. Right? Kind of missing the point. Not the good Samaritan in this story. He gets his hands dirty. He helps. And you know what? This flows again from an understanding of God that we celebrate and we demonstrate. That aren't you glad that we serve a God who wasn't way up in heaven and kind of perfect glory and he looked down at us and said, wow, they really need some help. I hope someone does that for them. Right? That's not what happened at all. Our God saw us in our sin, separated from him, and he turned to the son and said, you wanna do something about this? And the son said, absolutely, and he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, and he died for our sins. God sees and he takes action. And so we celebrate that, but we also demonstrate it, that we don't wanna be a people that just sees, right? We wanna be a people that sees uh, and, and responds and takes action and gets involved. And I can't tell you what that is for you because you, you know, if you're anything like me, you get stuff that comes across your timeline. Uh, you get stuff that comes across your mailbox all the time of people that need help, right? I, I mean, uh, just all the time. It, it's, it's pleas for help. And so you have to prayerfully consider we can't respond to every single need that comes across our way. But I think you have to uh, figure out how God wants you to respond. 
Right, this is uh, one of the things I love um, ab- about the story of Nehemiah, is that Nehemiah heard about the condition of the wall in Jerusalem uh, back in the Old Testament, and it just broke him. And I think this is, that God does this to us. That issue broke him, broke him and he decided uh, to respond. And so I think for you, like what are some of the issues that you hear about? You're like, I can't take that this is happening. I can't take it that, that this is happening in our country or in our culture. I have to do something about it because I believe God is placing that desire to respond inside of you. So pay attention uh, to that. And last thing, the Samaritan gets it. He gives financially. Now, notice in the story, it's the last thing he does, right? He crosses racial and ethnic lines. He kind of gets involved, he serves, and the last thing he does is he gives some money. And I say that because if you're anything like me, sometimes there's a thing in me that like, I'll just write a check, right? I'll, I'll just write a check. And listen, there's a lot of organizations that could use the check. So don't, don't think that's nothing. That's not nothing, right? Writing the check is important, but notice it is the last thing that happens in this story. He seeks to get involved in many other ways. He doesn't just write a check. He responds, and again, not, I'm, we're safely beating a dead horse at this time, but I want you to go home knowing what the sermon was about, all right? Um, I preach these sermons on Monday morning, and when I have to write the small group lesson, I'm like, what did I preach about yesterday? Yeah, go look at my notes. That's not a good thing, right? Probably shouldn't be confessing it publicly, actually, but um, this, this flows from an understanding that God is generous, that God saw us in our sin and said, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. And so we celebrate that and then we demonstrate it. We celebrate it and demonstrate it. And in short, the Samaritan, he shows mercy and he shows love and that's not easy. Boy, it's not easy. Have you felt a frustration in your heart and mind the last month or so of what am I supposed to do? What do I do? How do I respond? What organizations do I give to? And there are no easy answers to that, but showing mercy and love should never be an easy thing, really. It wasn't easy for our Savior to show love and mercy to us. And so it is worth the struggle. It's worth the angst. It's it's worth uh, trying to figure things out. I remember hearing a story about a Sunday school teacher that had the little kids there and was trying to teach these little kids the story of the Good Samaritan. And at the end of the story, she said, so now what are you gonna do if you leave church today and you see a man naked and bleeding in the street? And the little girl said, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> so, right, it's hard to know exactly uh, what you should do. And I think sometimes uh, in our humanness, we sometimes wanna evaluate uh, whether or not people are deserving of our love and our mercy and our kindness, that we have these thoughts of, man, I would really forgive that person. I really would if they were a better person. Or I'd help them if they weren't addicted. Or I'd show them grace if I wasn't sure they were just gonna be back to their same old thing. And uh, I get that, that is a normal human reaction, but can I be a preacher just for a moment and say to you, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And so it's worth the struggle, church. It's worth the struggle to try to figure out how to love and how to show mercy and how to show grace 
It, it was worth the struggle for our Savior, and we celebrate that, but we would be remiss if we didn't leave this place and say, I am committed to demonstrating it. I don't know what God is calling me to. He's put a little angst inside of you over some issue. I promise you he has. He's put that little Nehemiah spirit inside of you to say, man, when I hear that, ugh, I can't take it that that is happening. That's your thing. I promise you that's your thing. That God has placed that desire inside of you to respond because our God is a God who responds. And so we want to celebrate his love this morning. We want to celebrate his love and we want to pray for guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit about how we demonstrate it. Celebrate and demonstrate, celebrate and demonstrate. Um, we're going to receive communion right now and do both of those things. Um, this is an opportunity right now. You'll find a, um, this kind of self-contained pack. The, the top flap uh, reveals uh, the bread that represents Jesus' body given for us. The juice underneath represents his blood poured out for us. And we're just gonna receive communion together as, as a reminder that, man, I wanna celebrate his love. I wanna celebrate his grace. I wanna celebrate his forgiveness. But I don't wanna stop there. I don't wanna just stop there. I wanna then think about how can I demonstrate this grace? How can I demonstrate this love? How can I demonstrate this forgiveness to the people around me? And that's a you and God conversation. That's a you and God conversation about how you do that. So here's how this is gonna work. Uh, for, for the next while, probably for the foreseeable future, is I would like to pray for us. I'd like to pray over communion. And then you just take it whenever you're ready. Honestly, take as much time as you need. Uh, you take it whenever you're ready and then quietly exit. And you can go to the lobby, say hi to people, whatever, whatever you're gonna do, but just kind of quietly exit and you take as much time as you need to receive. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice, we celebrate it. We celebrate it. We celebrate it for ourselves, we celebrate it for our neighbor, we celebrate it. But we also wanna demonstrate it. So help us to leave this place knowing how to respond. Help us to leave this place knowing what you would have us to do. I know that you have placed a Nehemiah spirit inside each of us that when we hear about a thing, it's like, oh, this world, it shouldn't be this way. And that might be the very issue you're calling us to. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. It's in his name we pray, amen. His body and blood given for you. Receive it whenever you're ready, and then you're free to go. Thank you for coming.